Good morning. Glad you're here. Glad for those who are connecting with us online. I hope you do engage God today. I hope you feel His presence. It's really important. Well, how many of you guys uh, follow the TV show Alone on the History Channel? Anybody? It's a great show. I'm not talking about Naked and Afraid, where they drop these two people in some isolated spot along with the film crew. I'm talking about Alone, where they take 10 highly trained men and women, give them a handful of survival gear and some camera equipment, and drop them out on some extremely rugged, extremely isolated place, absolutely alone. The last one to tap out gets a half a million dollars. The guys are amazing. They're extremely creative, incredibly tough. Occasionally it's fear, maybe bears, wolves, storms, maybe it's an injury. More often it's starvation or a medical crisis. But the number one reason that they tap out is that they are alone and it's just too hard. All of them battle being alone. For a lot of them it just gets too much. It's the biggest hurdle they have to overcome if they're going to win. Loneliness is the number one reason they tap out. And these guys are tough because we weren't made to go it alone. But you don't have to go to the Arctic to be alone. If you were to go right now into some of the homes around us where some of our neighbors have had little or no physical contact with family or friends or virtually anybody else for nearly a year and a half, you're going to find out flat-out lonely people. You don't have to go there either. Have you ever watched a kid, uh, maybe you've been a kid at a new school surrounded by people and yet feeling very, very alone? And it's not just at our schools. Ever watched a kid, uh, maybe a brand-new church or a new youth group for them, and you can see it in their body language. You can read it in their eyes the trauma they feel for being alone, isolated. It can be terrifying. And it's not just kids. Have you ever felt intensely alone in a crowded room? Because everybody else seems like they fit in and everybody else seems to be engaged and you're not. Have you ever looked around and seen someone with that body language, that look in their eyes in this room? Maybe out in our foyer? surrounded by us. Guys, they're here. And they are dying for koinonia. What's that? Because we were made by God for koinonia. We're going to get there. Now I know that right now around us there is this fascination for contactless living. Contactless banking, contactless shopping, contactless pickup delivery, contactless offices and schools. Don't touch, right? Be safe. I dare you to Google touch starvation or touch deprivation and read about its effects on us. They're powerful. Did you know that touch starvation leads to increases in stress, anxiety, and depression? Did you know that when people are touch-starved, their bodies release this hormone called cortisol, which increases the 
the heart rate, the blood pressure, the rate of respiration, and your muscle tension. It also suppresses the digestive system and the immune system. It causes problems with sleeping. It intensifies the dangers of nearly other major disease that you're going to suffer from, heart attack, diabetes, hypertension, asthma. Now, they are going to discover that connecting online helps. They've discovered their numbers about 80% effective. I'm skeptical because we were created by God to do life together, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, the handshake, the hug, just being together because we were created by God for koinonia. In fact, koinonia is one of the reasons that God invented the church. Now, I'm not going to preach much this morning. I think I rarely do. I'm actually going to kind of shift into the full professor mode. I'm just going to try to teach what the New Testament teaches about connecting together as Jesus followers. So I'm going to be breaking some pretty big preaching rules this morning, but I'm going to justify it by calling it teaching, not preaching. And basically what I want you to do this morning is to capture two Greek words, koinonia and alelon. I wonder if you could say it with me. Koinonia, say it, koinonia, and all alone. These are huge words in the New Testament, and they're hugely important for Capital City Christian Church right here, right now. Now, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you can open up to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to start out at verse 3, but I'm also going to have the verses on screen. Here it is. Apostle John says, we tell you, what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you might have koinonia with us. And our koinonia is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that your joy or our joy, it can be either one, might be fulfilled. He, basically what he's saying is, I want you guys to have the best life possible, Right? And he says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. This is the message we declare now to you. God is light. There is no darkness in God at all. So we're lying if we say we have koinonia with God, but we're living in the darkness. We're not practicing the truth. You can't, you can't live like God doesn't matter and then act, have actual koinonia with God, he says. But here it is. This is it for us. If you're living in the light as God is in the light, then we also have koinonia with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what's it mean, koinonia? Fellowship? Partnership? Communion with? Sharing with? A close friendship with? Doing life with? It's a bond. It builds in the locker room as you work together and sweat together and win together and lose together. And you've got each other's backs as you're working towards a common goal. That's a kind of koinonia. It's the fellowship of the ring. People who are so very different, so differently gifted, who actually grow to love each other and give themselves for each other because they're on a quest for something way bigger than themselves. They're developing a kind of koinonia. It's the band of brothers who bleed for each other, who die for each other. They've been there for each other during the times that are quiet and the times that are anything but quiet. And they're building this kind of koinonia. 
For you old guys, <laughs> you might remember Cheers. Have you old guys remember Cheers? A weird bunch of misfits who kind of bonded together into a family. It's a great show. Do you remember the song? Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everyone knows your name, where everybody is glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. It's a great show. People don't go to bars for the booze. You can drink cheaper at home. They go there for the koinonia, they hope. Some of you guys might look for it in a cafeteria, a clubhouse, break room, or maybe at the lodge. People are flat out hungry for some kind of koinonia. Now, God meant for us to find something way greater than you can find in those places right here in the church. People who are genuinely connected with God, and because we're genuinely connected with God, we're genuinely connected with each other, and we're actually bound to drag each other to heaven you look around at this group, it's a weird, weird cluster of people who are so different, loving something bigger than anything that separates us, bound together by something so big that it dwarfs everything else that would separate us. We have a koinonia with God, and because of that, we have a koinonia with each other. It's who we are and what we do. <coughs> but... You can't find koinonia, real koinonia, an hour a week and sitting in this room. Which takes us to that other Greek word, all alone. Now that's a Greek word that you may not have heard before, but it's just as big in our New Testament, our new covenant with God. And it's kind of weird because the English meaning is actually the opposite of what the Greek sounds like. Excuse me. The Greek sounds like all alone. All alone. In the Greek, it actually means one another. Doing life with one another. It's just the opposite of what it sounds like. This word all alone is used a hundred times in our Greek New Testament. Forty-six of those times, it's a command. It's an imperative. It's a mandate from our God. If you're going to be a real Jesus follower, you've got to engage in these one another's. These are part of it. In fact, this is how we koinonia, God's way. Way more than just looking at the back of each other's heads for an hour. Now, four of these all alones are do-nots. These are things we don't do because we're Jesus followers. We don't slander one another. We don't grumble against one another. We don't pass judgment on one another. and We don't lie to one another. These are mandates. As a Jesus follower, you don't do this stuff to one another. Let me ask you a question. How would you like to be part of a family, any kind of a group, that actually tried to live just that much out? I mean, no slander here, no lies here, no judgmentalism here. You can trust each other. Because we're family, the family of God. But most of the one another's are do things. They're things that we actually do for one another. And they're way beyond what we can do in this room. I'm not going to try to give you all of them. There are too many. I'm just going to give you a sampling. I'm going to group them into five groups. Group number one, 
some of the one another, some of the all alones, remind us that it's not about me and it's not about you. We're family. It's not about me, it's not about you. We're told to honor each other above ourselves. Just a couple. Have equal concern for one another, equal concern. You're just as concerned for the person next to you as you are for yourself. Honor or accept one another in the same way that Christ has accepted you. Honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. Submit to one another. Actually do that. In other words, and you know it's true. It should be true in a family. It's not about you. It's not about you. Your one another's are just as important to you as you are. What they need, what they want, is just as important to you as what you need and what you want. These are mandates, guys. This is how we live out our koinonia. We don't look down on each other. We lift each other up. How'd you like to be a part of a family that actually does that? Number two, some of the one another's tell us not just to talk the talk, but actually to walk the walk, to actually live it out, to do it, to serve one another, put our love into action. Listen to these, they're powerful. Serve one another in love. Actually serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Every one of us is going to need a little of that at some point in our life. That's what family is for. Offer hospitality to one another. I'm telling you guys, this kind of stuff cannot be done an hour a week on Sunday mornings. This is not about tolerating each other just a day a week. This is about Christ-driven 24-7. How would you like to be a part of a family that takes this stuff seriously like God means us to? Where we actually do serve each other, where we actually do bear each other's burdens. Number three. Some of the one another's tell us to, to make each other better. It's not just serving one another, it's not just honoring one another, we actually try to make each other better, stronger, tougher, more faithful. We don't just have each other's backs. We push each other to be more God-honoring. We build each other up. Listen to these. Always aim at those things that bring peace and always aim at those things that help strengthen one another. What's going to make your brother or sister stronger? See, it's my job to do what I can to make you stronger, more faithful. Your job is to help me to be stronger and more faithful. We do this for each other. Or encourage one another and build each other up. And can you imagine, it says encourage one another, if we just replaced half of our words of criticism with words of encouragement? You're way too many words of criticism. Heard it from some of you guys. Way too many words of criticism. How about words of encouragement? I know there is such a thing as constructive criticism, but that's not most of what I hear. Or that one. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Spur one another, the NIV says, towards love and good deeds. And I know sometimes we get impatient with each other because we think not everybody is trying to love each other and doing good. Maybe some of that's on us because we're not spurring each other to love and good deeds. Our job is to make each other stronger, tougher, more faithful, how are you doing at that? What are you doing to make each other, your one another, stronger, tougher, more faithful in Christ? 
Two more. Guys, take this seriously. They're all directed to every single one of us. We're supposed to honor our one another. We're supposed to serve our one another. We're supposed to strengthen our one another. And I'm going to take a word and I'm going to make it into a verb. We're supposed to grace our one another's, to grace each other. You'll see what I mean. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another. In other words, if you mess up and you hurt somebody, own it. Just admit it. Confess your sins. Make it right. Come on. And then Paul says, this is the toughest. Forgive one another. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. In other words, in this family, in this koinonia, there are not supposed to be any grudges. We're not supposed to cancel each other. There's no hate. <laughs> Can you imagine being a part of a family that actually tried living that stuff out? It's not natural. It's going to take a boatload of God's help. Fortunately, if we ask him, he'll give it. One more. And this is kind of the granddaddy of all of the one another's. It's the foundation and the apex. Love one another. If you actually get that one right, all of the rest of them are commentary. Jesus said, a new command, brand new command, I'm going to give you, love one another. And they're kind of scratching their heads saying, how's that new, right? How is that new? Well, Jesus raises the bar. He says, as I have loved you, in the same way that I have loved you, with the same kind of love that I'm showing you, he says, as he's on his way to the cross to die for them. In fact, Jesus says, by this, men will know that you're my disciples. This is the marker that's going to identify us, not by how much we know about God or not by how much we're separated from the world. He says that we're going to know that we're Jesus followers because we've got this weird, extraordinary love for one another. It shouldn't happen, and it's going to blow their minds. It's going to be contagious. I'm telling you guys, if you try loving one another with this kind of love, then you will experience real koinonia, and so will they. These are mandates. In fact, this love one another command is found 13 times in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding. Pay your debts. Accept one debt, which you'll never pay off. Love one another. The Apostle Peter said, listen guys, love one another deeply from the heart. This isn't just a game. Don't blow it off. John says, because God loved us, we ought. We ought to love one another. Who do we owe? We owe him to love one another, he says. Honor one another. Serve one another. Make one another stronger. Grace one another. Love one another. Now here's the deal. This is huge. Maybe you've been part of a good, healthy church family for a while and you've actually seen this koinonia in action. You've been part of one of these all alone groups. Genuine band of brothers, people doing life with and for each other. In fact, there are people in this room right now that are experiencing right here, right now at Capital City, these two things, koinonia and all alone. But did you know 
Did you know that there are people sitting next to you that need a taste of it right here, right now? They've never tasted it before, and they're hungering for it. And did you know that some of them look at some of us as self-absorbed, snobbish jerks? Did you know that sometimes a person's loneliness is intensified when that person is surrounded by people who are not lonely? Everyone else seems connected, but I'm not. All their handshakes and hugs, all of their chatter and laughter, their koinonia intensifies the loneliness that I feel. Have you ever been there and felt that? I've seen it. Did you know that there are times that people have left this room, people who have left our foyer, and they have wept, overwhelmed by a sense of their loneliness? Did you know that probably more people come to a church family looking for friendship, for connection, for koinonia than for any other reason? Now we hope to take it deeper than that. We hope to show them koinonia with God. But what they're hungering for, what they're, what they're looking for is a reflection of how God made them. We need to be touched. We need to be listened to. We need to be valued. We need to be loved. We need koinonia. We need all alone. God created the church as a place where those needs can be sated. Bottom line, guys, I'm going to challenge all of us. We don't want to be self-absorbed, self-satisfied, snobbish jerks. It's not just about my experiencing koinonia. It's not about my enjoying some of those one another's. It's about inviting others in. Did you know that those who are flat out lonely are usually not strong enough emotionally to make the first move? It's too scary for them, too risky. It's our job to notice. It's our job to care. It's our job to act. It's our job to move towards, to include, to befriend, to love those that, bring, that God brings alongside. Guys, one of the things that made the earliest Jesus followers so contagious was that koinonia. And that's one of those things that's going to make this place, this family of God, this band of brothers and sisters so contagious. We're not here to judge each other, to cancel each other, to segregate into tribes. Because what holds us together is infinitely bigger than anything that can separate us. Guys, listen, this church is supposed to be filled with people who are radically devoted to God and irrationally devoted to each other. Are you willing to be part of that? It's like we're starting over, guys. We're going to try to rebuild this. You know, we've gone through this time when all churches have been rocked. It's like we're starting over again. Will you build a church family? Help us build a church family where we're radically devoted to God and irrationally devoted to each other. That's our goal, isn't it? Just a moment, we're going to sing a song, guys. If any of this is nudge, if God is nudging at your heart and you need to make him the king of your life, we've got an elder back there in the prayer room. Go back and talk to him. I'm going to hang out down here somewhere, probably right over there for a moment. Vern is right here. Come down and talk to one of us. If you want to join this church family, come on down and talk with one of us. We're going to sing this song right now. Let's stand. And guys, this song that we're going to sing...
Make it a prayer to God. Actually sing this song to God. Let's stand together.